You know, this occurred to me when I started developing this, this sermon and, and, you know, praying about it. It kind of occurred to me that, you know, one of the things that's going to grow about me, you know, I hope not my waistline too much, right? You know, I hope not my forehead because it seems to grow a little bit every year as well. But, you know, the th- one of the things that's going to grow this year is my contact list is going to grow. It grows. Every year, my contact list grows. In 2016, your contact list is going to grow. Now, I know there are some people that just hate people, you know, like Frank Burns on MASH, and some of you remember the MASH series back years ago, the comedy, you know, and he said, I would love to be a doctor if it wasn't for all the sick people, right? You know, and, and, you know, I, you know it's like some of you people that are in, in, in service, you know, pu- you know in, in serving your customers, in customer service, say, I would love to do customer service if I didn't have to deal with people. You know, and some people, I, I've actually found some people in ministry, pastors, that really, they would probably agree with this statement that they would love to pastor if it wasn't for people. You know, and there are a few people like that that are out there. Like, you know, they really don't like people. And they don't want their contact list to grow. But, you know, if your contact list doesn't grow, every year you lose somebody. You lose several people in your, in your contacts. You lose people because they move away. You lose people, man, because they get married and they start having kids and now they got three or four or five kids, you know. They can't go have lunch with you three or four times a week, you know, because they, or whatever the stuff is that happens in their life. And we lose people to death, right? I mean, that happens every year. We lose people. So if you're not adding people, one of these days you're going to be a really lonely old person because you've lost all of your friends and you never were adding friends all along. You know, your contact list is going to grow this year. You're going to have some, you know, just, just acquaintances, people that you kind of meet back at, you know, getting a cup of coffee on Sunday, you know. You're going to have some people that, you know, that you barely even know that are Facebook friends, you know, that you're going to add. They're going to become a Facebook friend, and you're going to start hearing more about their life. Or, or you're going to have some people that are going to join our church, become regular attenders, and we're going to add them to our contact list for our church. And that whenever we send out an email or, or, or a phone tree or something like that, you know, we... we have to these days send it out in multiple ways, but when we send that out, they're going to be part of that contact list. You know, and, and you're going to have probably some really close friends that you're going to gain this year. Some of you are going to gain some close friends, some people that you maybe didn't even know, but in the next few months or in the next few years, you're going to get closer and closer to them. They're going to be someone that you go eat lunch with, someone that you can pick up the phone and that you call. And you're also going to meet some people who need you who need you to pour into them, who need you to be there for them. You know, and, and in this kind of list of all these people that are going to come into your life this year that you didn't really know before 2016, you need to understand the difference in all of those different people. You, know, you, you, you need to be careful about making sure you know who they are and where they belong. You, you've got to be careful who you allow into your inner circles. Now, this is not really the message part of it, but I've got to throw this at you before we kind of go on so that you get this, okay? Because let me take you to a scripture right here if I can, okay? Because this, this verse in 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 15, verse 33 says, Do not be misled. Bad company corrupts good character. Now, if God, or maybe somebody else, but if God were to bring a drug addict into your life in 2016, and they were to, you know, you, you, you get introduced to them, and they're trying to, to break the habit. They're trying to get over this addiction that they have. Or, you know, it could be any addiction. It could be any power in their life, you know, that kind of keeps them just bottled up and hemmed in and, and, and imprisoned. 
But just imagine it's a drug addict, if you will, with me. You know, and it could be all these other things because that'll hit some of you more in the face with this. And, and, and you have one of these people with something like this drug addict come into your life. You would not invite them to go into business with you and let them be your partner in a new business venture, would you? Okay, you wouldn't do that because, oh, well, wait a minute, they've got some stuff, and I really can't have that in this, you know, I'm starting a new business, and, and this guy, he's a drug addict, but he knows how to do this stuff. You still wouldn't invite him to be a partner in this new business venture, would you? Oh, we're smart, too smart for that kind of a thing, aren't we? But what do we do? Now, listen to me, especially you singles out there. We might not invite them to be our partner in a business venture, but we invite them to be our partner in a romantic venture. Because sometimes God brings people into our life that need help, and what we've got to do is we've got to make sure we realize this is a person that needs help. They don't need me to just be their buddy. They don't need me to just be their friend. That they are in a pit, they, and, and sometimes you've got to get in the pit to help somebody out of the pit, but when you just get down in the pit and you just play with them in the pit, you just get dirty like they're dirty. You know, you, you've got to understand that even if you go down into the, the hole that they have found themselves in or that they have created for themselves or that somebody else has, has created for them, you've got to remember why you are there and that God has brought you together not so you can just be their buddy or their boyfriend or their girlfriend. God didn't give that them to you for that. God gave them to you so that you could be the ones that, come on up here, buddy. Let me help you out of this. Let me show you some things. And when you begin, you know, imagine it this way that if you begin a business venture with that person, now you're partners, and they're no longer listening to you about this and this and this. They're beginning to tell you, no, here's what I know about this business. In the same way, when you take someone that God has put in your life so that you can help them, and you make them a partner as a romantic relationship, you begin to date them or marry them even somewhere down the road, and that's who they're supposed to be, but you have made them this, now you have, you have destroyed the relationship God wanted you to have. That of helping them pull out because you've made them a co-partner and they're not listening to you anymore about that other because you've just validated who they are by saying, come on, I want to date you. I want to be your best friend. I want to be all of these things. We have to make sure when God brings these people into our life that we, re we remember what God is trying to do. You know, I want to be your best friend. I want to be your best buddy, but I've got to be your pastor. And when, when there is something in your life that is obviously out of kilter, I can't just be your best friend. I can get down in the pit with you, but I have to remember God didn't put me into your life so that I could just be your best friend and you could always like everything I say. God put me in your life to challenge you, to lift you up, to say, come on, you can do better. You can get out of this. You can believe God. And God has the power and the strength to enable you to become exactly Exactly what you're supposed to be. That's my calling. And every person that God puts into my life is a pastor. That's who you have to be. That's who, and I have to remember. And you, especially you singers, you need, to hear, you need to listen to this. If God puts someone like that in your life this year, don't forget why God gave you that relationship, okay? Because God has ordained you to meet to engage, and to impact people's lives. There are specific people that God has on your calendar that you don't even know about that you're going to meet this year, that he wants you to engage them, and there's a certain way he wants you to engage them, and he wants you to impact their lives. 
There are certain people like that that God has already chosen for you, and and you've got to be careful that you do it this right way. Some of these people are to sharpen us. Let's begin on this end, because God brings some people into our lives for our benefit, to sharpen us, to humble us. I mean, he brings people, sometimes, you know, we get a little bit, you know, feeling like we're just a little better than we are. Sometimes God brings people into our life, not because, and they say things that really push us down and make us feel bad, but he puts them into our life so we do, we're honest with ourselves, And so we see some things in our life. God gives us these people to sharpen us, to humble us, to challenge us. He gives us the, and you know, here again, you have to be careful. When God gives you someone like that, you, have you ever heard this, this, this saying, God gave you two ears and one mouth. Use them proportionally. You know, and when God gives you someone who is supposed to be supposed to be sharpening you and humbling you and challenging you, then close your mouth a lot more around that person and open your ears because God has given you, God has given you a treasure when he puts someone in your, in your life that has the ability to pour into who you are. And you know, that's different for all of us. People that mentor me is gonna be different than the people that could mentor you. But when God puts that person in your life, don't misunderstand. Make sure you, you stay with the relationship as that relationship is supposed to be and listen to what they have to say. And don't tell them, well, yeah, but, yeah, but, yeah, but. You know, start listening and listening and listening. Because uh, here's the promises in Proverbs chapter 13, verse 20 and 27, 17. The one who walks with wise will become wise. Okay, let, let's read the end of this before I talk about that. But a companion of fools will suffer harm. Okay? You know, now, if you're helping a fool, that's one thing, right? But when you become the companion of fools, you're going to get in trouble. You're going to get hurt. You're going to get destroyed. And when you become the companion of fools. So think about the relationship that God has given you for that. But because the, the, the promise is in the first part of that. The one who walks with the wise will become wise. You want to be more wise? Hang out with wise people. Stop hanging out with idiots. You know, you want to be an eagle? Quit hanging out with the chickens. I heard somebody preach that message a long time ago. You know, you want, you want to soar with the eagles? You got to quit hanging out with the chickens. I mean, I heard the story about uh, the, a chicken farmer who found an injured eagle and, and he took the eagle and he put it with his chickens. And, and, and it, it, you know what? After a while, the eagle started just pecking around like the chickens, digging up grubs and things out of the ground because, you know, that's what he was watching. And then one day, an eagle flew over. And when the eagle flew over, this other eagle that had become a chicken, you know, he looked up and he said, wait a minute, that's, that, 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 that's what I look like. And when he realized that, the eagle leapt out of the, out of the, 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 chicken, the chicken pen, the, the chicken enclosure. And when he leapt out, he, he bounced a couple of times and threw his, uh, threw his wings up and started flapping and he started soaring. Why? He had hung out with chickens so long he forgot what he was, but when he remembered what he was, he started hanging out and it, and it began to lift him up. There, God's gonna put people like that in your life. And if you want to soar with eagles, then you gotta hang out with eagles. You gotta quit listening to, come on, think about it. You gotta quit listening to the stuff that makes you this, and you gotta start listening to stuff that makes you this. You gotta stop hanging around with people that tell you you're only this, and you're always gonna fail, and you'll never be. And you gotta start hanging out with people who are telling you how great God can be in your life, what your future can be, what 2016 can be because the more you hang out with him, amen. The more you hang out with him, the more you're going to believe that because that's a promise in scripture. And 2717 says, Iron sharpens iron. One man or one, one person sharpens another person, sharpens iron. Remember that, remember the, 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 the connect that God has given you, why he's given that to you. And when God gives you someone wise into your, into your life, 
You shut your mouth and open your ears. Open your eyes, watch, learn, gather the heart of that person. Because God, God is going to bring people in your life in 2016 that are going to do that for you. And he, and he did that in 2015 for a lot of us, but we ignored it. And we became best friends and we thought, well, we know as much as they know because they're not any older or whatever. But God put them in your, and you missed it. You met, don't miss the opportunity in 2016. God is also going to put people in our life as opportunities to be obedient and to sow good seed. Now, when I sow good seed into your life, if I sow good seed, you know, then if you're good soil, good stuff's gonna happen, okay? But when I sow good seed, even if you're bad soil, I get a harvest, okay? But let me show you from scripture, Matthew 13, verse three through eight. Jesus is telling them a parable here, and you may have heard this one before. He said, behold, the sower went out to sow, and as he sowed, some of the seeds fell beside the road, and the birds came and ate them up. Others fell in the rocky places where they did not have much soil, and so they immediately sprang up because they had no depth of soil. But when the sun had risen, they were scorched, and because they, uh, they had no root, they withered away. Others fell among the thorns, and the thorns came up and choked them out. Okay, so let me say this real quick. One more time, going back to that. Maintain the relationship as God intends you to have the relationship. Because when you've just become best friends with someone who has thorns in their life that chokes them down, when you become part of what, when you become partner with them, the same thorns that are choking them are going to choke you. You need to remember that in those relationships, you are the sower, okay? You're the, you're the one that, are, that is throwing the seed in. Just as a few moments ago, we were talking about people who are throwing seed into your life. Now we're talking about you throwing seed into someone else's life. And when I told you, you know, you need to be, you need to be keeping your, your, your mouth shut and your ears open when you've got someone sowing, that is sowing good seed into your life, let's turn it around now. When you are the person who is supposed to be sowing, you need to be closing your ears sometimes to some things and closing your eyes to some things and say, I'm not letting that into my life and I'm not going to partner with that. I don't want that to be. Some of you have that in your family. Now, let me change that. Every one of you has that in your family. There are sins in every one of our family's pasts, our histories. There are, there are, uh, there are problems. There are, there are things that have happened in our family's histories that if we don't fix them, if we, if, we don't, if we don't start this focus to say, no, this is how God put this, and this is who I'm supposed to be, and we maintain the focus and the understanding of how God made the connection, that God gave me this family, but God didn't give me this family because he wanted me to also deal in the sins of my, of my father or my grandfather's or my great-grandfather. God didn't put me in this family for that purpose. He put me in this family to break the curse of that sin that has been passing down generation after generation after generation. And some of you, some of you, and it's going to be harder for some of you than others, because for some of you, we're talking about little stuff. Some of you, we're talking about some big stuff that people have gone to jail for, that people are in prison today for. But some of you, you're going to have to stand up and say, this stops right here today. If, that, if that's you, if you've, got, if you've got one of those family histories that needs to stop right here, don't come down one more generation into my life. I want to pray with you at the end of the service. I want to agree with you. I want to hold your hand and agree because the Word of God says, we're to agree concerning anything, it shall be done. And if you've got something like that that you don't want to come down into your generation or be passed down into your kids, I want to agree with you about that today, okay? But the last thing he says, and others fell on good soil and yielded a crop, some a hundredfold, some sixty, and some thirty. 
What is different? The, so- the seed is good in all those situations. The difference is the soil. And it's not, you know, I, I do everything I can to throw good seed, but, I got, but unless it finds good soil, unless it finds somebody who is willing to grow, that seed is going to be robbed, it's, it's going to be choked out, it's going to wither away. Unless, I, unless it, not I, but unless it finds good soil, I am praying today that the seed I am casting out is finding good soil. And not just over this sermon, but over this series of sermons for next of 2016. I am praying right now, praying, God, let this seed find good soil in every person who is hearing my voice right now. In every one of these, these five sermons in this, in this uh, month of January, God, let the seed find good soil. That, that, if you, that if you haven't really allowed seed to germinate inside of you for a long time, that today you decide. That in this sermon series, you decide, I, I am ready for 2016 to be the, the most amazing year of my life. And I'm ready for whatever God wants to do. I'm praying, God, let the seed find good soil. But if it doesn't find any good soil whatsoever today, I've done my best. And so what's going to happen is I'm still going to reap the benefit. You do the same. When you are casting good seed, even if it doesn't find good soil, you are still going to receive the benefit. You're going to reap the harvest of the seed that you're casting because because you're the one casting and you're the one that is going to receive that. So keep casting. Just keep casting. And God also gives us people into our lives. That, that, now, now listen, and, and the, way I've set, uh, the way I've set this up, you know, at the beginning of this little section, this main section of the sermon was that God ordains this. Last week about the steps, this is why you need to hear this from last week also if you didn't hear it, is these steps that God ordains. If God has ordained for you to meet somebody and be something in someone's life this year, if you skip that, you're missing an opportunity to reap some amazing harvest in your life. And when you get to the end of 2016, you're going to say, I don't know why this didn't happen. I wanted this to happen. And maybe God will remind you and say, you remember that situation I tried to put into your life, but you ran from it. God ordains people into our lives. And there are some people that are going to enter your life this year that God is putting there because they need you to fight alongside of them. If, if you've been here since the, our launch uh, six plus years ago, almost seven years, it ceased to be seven years since we launched. If you've been here since then, you've heard the story of Caleb a couple of times, at least. Even, even if you've missed a lot of Sundays, you've heard probably the story of Caleb a couple of times. But I, I want you to hear it again this morning, okay? So let's go to the book of Joshua, chapter 14. And this, this, is, this is Caleb. And, and, and Caleb and Joshua were, were two spies out of a group of 12 spies that went into the promised land. And they came back and 10 of the spies said, oh, we can't go in and do that. But two of them, Joshua and Caleb. And this is Caleb talking to Joshua. So these are the two spies that came back with a good report, said, yeah, it's amazing, it's awesome. There are some giants there, there are some warriors there, but God is able to give us a victory. You get somebody in your life like that, close your mouth and open your ears and open your eyes. And this is what Caleb and Joshua came back. Uh, This is the report they came back with. And so now this is, Many years later, you're going to see how many in just a second. And he, and he was reminding Joshua. He says, Joshua, this is Caleb speaking. Joshua, you remember that day, 
after we brought that good report back, Moses solemnly promised me the land of Canaan on which you were just walking will be your grant of land and that of your descendants forever because you wholeheartedly followed the Lord my God. And Caleb said to Joshua, now as you can see, the Lord has kept me alive and well as he promised for all these 45 years since Moses made this promise, even while in Israel wandered in the wilderness. So Israel wandered in the wilderness for 40 years. Caleb was 40 years old when he got the promise. It's 45 years later. Okay, 45 years. They wandered in the wilderness for 40 years. It's 45. There's a missing five years there because he says it's been 45 years since the promise, but they wandered in the wilderness for 40 years. There's a missing. What happened to this five years? I can tell you what happened to the five years. You can go back in the book of Joshua and you can read what happened to those five years. That Caleb was fighting for a younger generation. Caleb, Caleb and Joshua, they came out of Egypt, but just about everybody else that went into this promised land and for these last five years had been fighting to retake the land that God had given to Abraham generations ago as they were fighting to retake their land. And for five years, every one of them was a little whippersnapper compared to Joshua and Caleb. They were 40 years young and younger. All the other ones, they died out because they did not believe God. But Joshua and Caleb, they're still alive. 80-something years old now, they're still alive. But for the first five years, instead of Caleb walking in and saying, now give me my mountain. You know, this is this one of the 10 friendliness commandments, Church 2911, right? We don't walk in the door and say, now give me my chair. Somebody's sitting in my seat today. I think the only person that's got a seat in this place is maybe me and Deva because we always sit right there. And that may be because nobody else wants to sit right there, you know. But, uh, you know, nobody else says, you know, give me my, but I've been in churches. I've been in churches. I've been in churches where people, oh my goodness, I've been in church and I saw somebody actually had a welcome mat made with their name on it and they put it right in front of their seat. All week long, it sat there, and on Sunday morning when you came in, you saw, and it said, mm, I won't say the name because I remember the name in my head, okay? It said, mm, with, an ex- with, with, with an apostrophe and an S, place, as in like Rick's place. It wasn't Rick, okay? But Rick's place. So you know, don't sit there in my seat. That wasn't Caleb. Caleb walked in the promised land, and for five years, knowing that he had a promise of Hebron, the hill country, He had that promise of Hebrew. You know what? For five years, he was fighting somebody else's battle. In 2016, you know, if you're going to be Caleb and you're going to get your hill country at the end of 2016, you're going to get your promise, you're going to get your amazing. If you're going to get there, then you're going to have to pay attention to what God gives you to do right now. And somewhere in 2016, God is going to put someone in your life that needs you to fight for them, needs you to fight alongside of them. And Caleb walked in, he could have said, I am 80 years old now, it's time for y'all to do something around here, but he didn't do that. He fought for five years. And you know, I believe one reason he was able to do that is because as a mature man of God, and listen, anybody anywhere close to my age or older, you should be a mature man or woman of God by now, and you should have the same attitude of Caleb. I know where my mountain is. I know where my promise is. Oh, come on, somebody. I wish somebody my age would help me here just a little bit. I know where my mountain is. I know where my promise is. It doesn't matter what kind of songs we sing. It doesn't matter if it's cold or hot in the exhibit hall. It doesn't matter if we have decaf back there or they ran out this morning. I know where my mountain is is my, my salvation is secure. I am here to fight for another generation that does not know the Lord, his name or his power and make sure they know it. We need some Caleb's again. Amen. 
We need some Caleb. I hope that was old, people my age and older clapping their hands. We need some Caleb's again. That's what he was doing for five years. But let's go on. Uh, next verse. Today, I am 85 years old. See, we did the math right, 40 and 45, right? I am 85. But listen to what this 85-year-old man says. You see, I've been in a lot of churches where uh, people, when they hit, hit a certain age, they say, I've done it. I'm done with enough. You know, I've done all. I, you know, it's time for somebody else to do it. It may be time for somebody else to do it, but it's not time for you to find an easy chair. It's time for you to mentor somebody else to do it. It's time for you to realize that God put someone in your life for you to challenge them, humble them, and sharpen them so they can do it. And if you will allow them to do it, because I, I know a lot, of, a lot of people in a lot of churches, other churches, that I know they don't want somebody to do it better than them because they don't want people to forget what a good job they did. But what God gives us is he gives us the opportunity that I got it to here, guys. Let me mentor you about how I got it to here so you can figure out how to just stand on what I've done and you can build it to even here. And so down the road, you can find somebody else that you can mentor to how we got here and then they can jump on what you've done and they can take it to another level. That's what Jesus meant. When he said, I challenge you, I send you out. And when he was telling his disciples in those last few moments, he said, I challenge you, I send you out into the world to teach them everything I have taught you. He didn't say, now listen, I'm not gonna, I, I don't want you to, I want you to start from scratch. He said, no, I want you to build on what I've done. That's why the word of God says greater things, Jesus even said this himself, greater things than what I have done, you're gonna do. Why? Because I'm leaving and you're gonna start building on what I've done and I'm sending the power of the Holy Spirit to work in you just as he worked through through my word and speaking in the Holy Spirit we're working I'm sending that to you and in the same way we got to have people like that and so wherever you are if you're in that if you're in that era of, of I've done it now I, it's time for you to mentor or you're in that place of I, I don't know what to do then you need to find you a mentor you need to look for somebody doing something that you're doing the way T.D. Jakes said it he, he, he said if you want to do something amazing find somebody who is doing what you want to do and move into their neighborhood now, he doesn't mean pack your bags and stuff like he means move move emotionally and mentally and spiritually into their neighborhood connect with them be a part of their inner circle and let them pour into you this is what Caleb did. He said, I'm 85 years old. And he didn't say, I'm ready to sit down. He said, I am as strong now as I was when Moses made me the promise. Now, I don't know a lot of 85-year-olds that can say that. Even the most feisty, and I know some feisty 85-year-olds. He says, I am as strong now as when I was at 40, and I can still travel. I can still fight. Oh, but I can see him saying it, can't you? Can't you? Anybody got an old uncle or something like that? You can just hear him saying that. I can still travel. I can still, you know, you try to tell him he's old, you know, and he won't start telling you, well, let me tell you something, boy. Before you were born, let me tell you. And he starts telling, I can hear him say, I am, I can still travel. I, they've been traveling for 40 years. And in the middle of that traveling, they had to fight. And he was one of the few leaders, real leaders that they had. And he had to fight. And he said, I can still travel. I can still fight as well as I could then. So give me the hill country. Give me Hebron that the Lord promised me. You see, that, that's, that's the problem. Okay, uh, you know, I really wish I could get people, you know, under 40, just stick their fingers in their ears for just a few moments. But you need to hear this for your future. 
That's the problem with some of us my age and older. The reason we don't get our promises is we're no longer looking for our hill country. We're looking for a recliner to say, I've done it all. Let somebody else do it now. He says, give me my hill country. He doesn't say, give me, give me 100,000 men to go take my hill country. He said, you give it to me. You turn me loose on my hill country, and I'll go get it. An 85-year-old, I can still travel. I can still fight as well, and give me my hill country that the Lord promised me. And you'll remember, jo- Joshua, you'll remember. Caleb said, Joshua, you'll remember that when we were scouts, when we were those only two good scouts out of the, other, out of the, tw- the 12, the other 10 were bad, and they came back and said we couldn't do it. You remember that when we were scouts, we found the descendants of Anak, meaning these, these, these descendants of Anak, some think they were the giants that maybe Goliath came from. But they, we know this, that they were large, powerful, experienced warriors. And he says, we, we know that the scout, we, when we were scouts, we found the descendants of Anak living there in great walled towns. Now he's not talking about Jericho or Ai. He's talking about his hill country, his promise. He said, we know, we saw them there. But if the Lord is with me, I will drive them out of the land just as the Lord said this 85-year-old man said, give me my hill country. And if I find them still there, if they hadn't got off my property yet, if they didn't hear the promise of God and they don't know about it yet and they are still on my property, I will drive them out of the land. If God gives you somebody like this in your life this year, oh, please listen. Oh, please hear everything they got to say. Because at 85, I don't know how many more years he's got. Watch him fight. Watch an 85-year-old man draw his sword one more time and go fight. Watch him throw his shoulders back and say, if God is with me, I will be able to drive him out. Watch him one more time. Stand up. Maybe push back his walker if he's really 85 years old. Watch him. And if God just makes you a person, you don't have to be 85 years old for God to give you somebody to fight for. I believe some of you Some of you young ones, you're going to get someone in your life to fight for this year. Teenagers, you're going to have someone in your life this year to fight for. And it may already be somebody you know, but God's just going to move on you to go to bat for them. And you think, I I just don't know if I'm up to it. If an 85-year-old man can talk the talk, you can at least talk the talk, can't you? And you know, a lot of times that's all it takes because the victory has already been won at Calvary. Our problem is we talk in ifs and maybes and I wonder and I hope when you start talking the talk, the victory's already been won and your enemy already knows he's been defeated at at Calvary. He already knows that the blood that flowed red, awesome, beautiful new song this morning, He already knows that the blood that flowed red has washed you as white as snow. And all you got to do is quit talking his talk and start talking God's talk and say this, can you talk the talk? Because if you'll start talking the talk, you'll be able to walk the walk. Do you think Caleb could? Caleb talked the talk. Do you think he could walk the walk? Let's go to verse 14 and find out. As this is being written years later, It said, Hebron still belongs to the descendants of Caleb. Today, it's still there. He didn't just talk the talk. 
He walked, this 85-year-old man seized the promise for the generations of his family that would follow him. This is not just about you. This is about everybody you will ever connect with and that will come after you. One last thing real quick before we come to the front. It is vital that we connect. We must connect. Connect with God. That's the most important thing. You are here today, every day of your life, to connect with God. But also, you need to connect with others. Let me tell you this real quick. Four plus one. If this is your church, you need to be connected with at least four people, five people, six people, but at least four people. If you miss service next Sunday, the next week when you come in, you need to have at least four or five people say, I missed you last week. You need to be that connected that at least four or five people are looking for you every week. Four or five people are back there getting coffee with you, and so they know when you're not here. Four or five people know where you generally sit, even though we don't have reserved seating, and they are missing you. If not, then you are not connected yet. You need to get connected, and you need one, four plus one. You need at least one person in this local body. If you, this is your church. Now, if, you've got, if, if you're just a, you are a true visitor today that you actually belong somewhere else, you're just here for some reason today, wherever your church is, you need somebody in this local group that you connect with on such a level that you can send them a text and say, I'm having a rough day at school. Pray with me. Or I'm having a rough day at work. My boss has literally gone insane today. Please pray with me. Somebody that you can text and say, I need prayer. Somebody that you can say, hey, look, I got this situation and I'm thinking about doing this. Is that a good idea? I mean, does this line up with scripture and what God would want for my life? You need someone like that in this local body because there may be, you know, I mean, there's some great preachers out there somewhere. And you know what? It's hard to get in touch with them and unless you're on a first name basis that you can get them when you need them. That's what I'm talking about. You need somebody close that you can get in touch with that you can say, I need, and they'll go to bat with you. They'll fight with you. And I know what some people say. Some people, they don't, they, they don't want anybody that close to them. It's dangerous to not be close to God's family. He doesn't just draw us to himself. He draws us to one another. I don't have time to preach that message to you, but I can give you a bunch of scriptures. If you, if you disagree with me, see me after church. I'll preach, you the, I'll preach you the sermon. He draws us to one another. We are the church. We are his bride, corporately, not individually. We are his body. He draws us to one another. And I know some people say, but church is just full of hypocrites. No. The church is full of sinners who've been saved by grace who aren't perfect yet, but because they've given their heart and life to Jesus Christ, they now have a champion who is fighting for them, and they are battling the same battles you are battling, but they are winning more of them because of who their champion is. That's what the church is full of. Amen. Amen. Please stand. Would you come to the front? If you're a first-time attender, we like to close around front. I've been a little long today. Thank you for sticking with me. Uh, appreciate that. But if you will, come join us. We'd like to close with a final song and a final prayer. And, uh, and if you're comfortable, we'd love to have you come join us. Amen. Thank you. 
Okay, now, 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 now let me say something here. I got one last little th point to throw at you, boy. You're kind of still just gathering in. You know, some of you have made some progress in beginning to pray with people instead of just praying for yourself. Got this prayer team here. Do you know they're praying? One of their prayers is, God, let me pray with somebody. <laughs> they're praying, God, let me pray with somebody today. And, and, and I know what, here's a step some of you need to take because you think, well, I can just pray alone. I can just pray at home. But you remember me saying just a few moments ago, God draws us to one another. You know, and, and that scripture I keep quoting, I keep quoting, I keep quoting, Jesus says we're to agree concerning anything. It will be done to my Father in heaven. Also the book of James. This is talking about healing, but listen to what it's saying. If you're sick in body, you call for the elders of the church to pray for you. You don't wait for somebody to come ask you, 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 you sick, can I pray for you? No, you, if you're sick, you ask somebody to pray for you. I think that goes with everything. Whatever your need is, I want to pray with you. If you need to break a, a generational curse, a family curse to stop this thing right here, because let me tell you, it passes down. You know, it passes down. And I started to mention a couple of things, but I don't want to embarrass anyone. You're going to think everybody's going to look at you and know I'm talking about you. No, every one of us probably has stuff that we need to say, this is done. It's not coming into my generation and it's not going any further. I would love to pray with you today if that's, if that's your situation. I would love to pray with you. This prayer team would love to pray with you. One last thing, why is connecting important? I'm gonna tell you, I'm gonna tell you real quick, if I can, why connecting isn't so important. That number right up there, is it up there? Yeah, that number right up there. I did, I did some research uh, last fall. I don't remember exactly when, probably October. I actually look back over our records, okay? Now, now understand this, because I don't want somebody to misquote me, you know? Uh, but understand, if you can understand this, I looked at the people that had gotten, you know, involved as far as like gotten regular in our church. Not that they came for a month or they came a few times, but they really got regular, but then they ended up leaving anyway. I looked at all of those. I laid them out. I numbered them. And then I looked at the reasons that they left. And, you know, uh, some of them left because of family. Some of them left because they got a job at another place. They had to relocate. Some of them left to go to school. And, uh, and, and then they left to go to school, and they, they stayed there, or they got a job somewhere else, and they didn't come back. You know, that's what, mo and, and most of, almost all of them, uh, besides the 82%, almost all of them, most of them left because of family situations. But 82% who left, now I'm not talking about people that came once or twice, remember this, I'm talking about people that came and came and came and they drank coffee and they drank coffee, you know, and they put their kids in a, in a nursery over and over and over. They learned the words to the song, but they still have 82% of them. You know, as of, you know, almost six and a half years, at that time, about six and a half years of being together as a church, 82% of them had this one thing in common, these people that, 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 that were here and here and here, and then all of a sudden gone, is that they were not connected to a small group or a ministry team. 82% of them, those, they were here, they were here, they were here, they were here, and all of a sudden they were gone. 82% of them, they were not connected. And some of you say, well, I'm, I'm going to make it no matter, no, you know, what's going to happen is if you never connect, you're going to leave 2911 eventually. And you're either going to bounce around church to church, and it may and it bounce, and it may be four-year bounces. may not be bam, 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 you know. But you're going to do that until eventually you just drop out and, and, and gone completely. That's what's going to happen. You have to connect to God's family.
What about John on the Isle of Patmos? You ain't on Patmos. Somebody argues that with you. You ain't on Patmos. You are here in the middle of a great family of God. You, and, and you may say, well, I can make it. Well, what about your spouse? Your spouse has to live with you. They need this connection. What about your kids? They need to be connected back there and they need to be having the word of God put in them because my teachers at school, when I was in school, we used to read the Bible. We used to have somebody pray. Regardless what the law said, my teachers, you would, my teachers, they were all, you know, they were all civil disobedience, but no longer. They're being taught the opposite. But back here, they're being taught, your kids, your teenagers need to be connected to the teen ministry. It just launched last Wednesday night. They need to be at 6.30. We have Royal Rangers, girl stuff, and, uh, and 2911 teens. And back there, they need to be. Not just, kinda, not just learning the words of the songs. You need to connect. I said I was going to try to do that quick. I couldn't. This is really important. You've got to get this. You need to connect. Make a decision right now. We want to connect with you in prayer.